Did you watch Downton Abbey? No, I never did. Okay, so like in Downton Abbey, there's like some obnoxious characters, I think, but that's like the way they're written, or I don't think it's even necessarily always the actor's fault. But you never like this character deserves something bad, even though they are very obnoxious. Hmm, interesting. It's like the guy tries to make you really forgiving of human flaws, which is kind of cute. So it becomes more like watching scenery than really watching a story. Yeah. Which I think I'm not like mad at it, but I would, if you're looking for story, that's not it. <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. When does Downton Abbey take place? Uh, it starts in like the early to mid 1910s. So I think it might be a f- like a 15 year gap. Interesting. Because they do parts of World War One where they're like having to use the whatever the fuck you call it. <laughs> the, the manor, the abbey as like a station for injured vets. Sure. Injured. Is that what you call them? I guess maybe not vets if they're in, in oh, duty. Sure. Soldiers. Yeah. Injured soldiers. And then they're about to come out with that new one. And I think they go to France or something crazy. Oh, I'm definitely going to watch that. Yeah. It's never really appealed to me. Not quite sure I get it. I started watching it because of living in Chicago and I only had like an antenna for TV. So it'd be like a weird thing I would catch like Sunday nights. I would get off work from the pub and turn on the TV for like background noise. And it was like, oh, there's there's a show that seems kind of interesting on that's not sports. Because that was usually what I got like on the like Sunday nights. You're going to get football, right? So finding something that wasn't football that wasn't syndicated was like, oh, this is fun. So then I watched parts then at some point I was like, oh, you know, I should watch that whole series because it was like streamable somewhere. So then I started from the very beginning and then I stopped. I actually didn't finish the last season. And I think it was because I didn't like the way it was ending. I didn't like this like new husband (laughs) for one of the characters. I was like, this feels it feels like they're just trying to shoehorn this guy into this position because they know the series is wrapping up and they want they know the fans want to see this character with a partner because like that's been a lot of her storyline is always like having these very complicated relationships with men. In fact, she became a huge scandal because like a Turkish diplomat died in her bed and that was like a whole thing of like She's making these bad decisions because everyone thinks she's a slut if she doesn't. I don't know. So it was like goofy and weird. So I think that's why in the final season, they were like, okay, we have to like give her a break. <laughs> but it was like, he's not the type of guy. <laughs> not the type of guy I would have written for her character because for most of the series, she was kind of seen as like this woman, like, a modern woman like coming into her own and like not necessarily following with tradition and like being interested. Like she, they thought she was going to inherit the manor 
And then it turns out like she had a cousin who actually was, but then they fell in love and then that's who they killed off. Cause that actor thought I could get better gigs. Cause I'm peeking oh, no. on Downton Abbey and getting Oscar nominate or not Oscar Emmy nominations. So they were like, okay, we're going to kill you off. <laughs> and then it, all her love interests after that were kind of like very weak. I was like, I don't like any of these guys kind of all seem scummy, but maybe it was also the time era, you know? Yeah, that's I think that's kind of why I don't want to watch it, because it's like oftentimes I don't care for history. Welcome to Sex with Ghosts. I am Bridget here with our blood pathogen expert, Molly. Hello, Bridget. And today we are on part two of our Henry VIII and Wives series. Uh, I don't know. That works. I like got confused in the middle of that. <laughs> Anyways, so how do you how do you feel about these characters we've learned so far? I don't really like them, to be honest. Not saying that I have to, though, because they're still interesting historical figures. Yeah, it's amazing how many terrible people have kind of always been a part of the elite. Right. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the vibe I get. And in part one, we talked about. His first wife, Catherine of Aragon, his mistress, Elizabeth Blunt, and the famous Anne Boleyn. We also talked about some paranormal activity associated with them. But Molly, maybe could you give us like a, a short summary on the blood group hypothesis that will be coming up again in the second half? Oh, sure. It's... um. It's just an interesting thought that maybe his mental state, his mental decline, his physical decline, and his wife's inability to reproduce heirs was due to the blood group that he belongs to, which meant he carried the Kel antigen. But today we will be talking about some other medical hypotheses nice keeping us current with the uh the medical takes here yeah and uh most of the stuff really came about pretty recently oh yeah it seems like even when i was reading about say like some of the wives relationships to people like in early publications it was like yeah, she was attracting him. And then later publications are like, she quite possibly could have been groomed and raped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just have different. We just have a different viewpoint on history now, which is good because we may see, see things differently for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think uh, previous interpretations 
were a lot less kinder. Yes, yeah, that's very true. And it's it is kind of sad when you think about it like that because well, I mean, I sad because not that you can really do anything about it, but like these causes that couldn't be cured may have oh, caused yeah. real tragedy. That's true. As as far as I guess society as a whole, <laughs> I I find it very hopeful though because it's like okay, we did figure out that this was bad or wrong, and we're now people are working harder to fix those things. That's true. It's just it's also difficult because then you think, well, how backwards are we right now, and we just don't know oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah. That's funny. I think. I try to think about that all the time. Like, okay, this is what we're saying now, but like, and even in real time, there's been criticisms of how we view like trans rights and how even now some of the stuff that's being put out into the world is already dated. Like from, you ever read like those, those like, college peer-reviewed papers or essays on like feminist theory and like it's like yeah we we still got some stuff to figure out yeah but luckily I think well I don't know if this is luckily but you can pretty much I it seems to me like feminist theory is pretty good at being like separating things into waves makes it so you can kind of you can set I, I don't know if this is right or wrong but like you separate yourself from people who thought differently of you than you right yeah yeah well and i'm sure i'm sure the people who are entrenched in the academic world probably have even more like nuanced thoughts and feelings about it too yeah that's true yep so glad i quit school yeah me too and i'm sorry if you're listening to this in three years and you're like this this stuff is so not relevant oh just remember it pre-apologizing for content february of 2022 (laughs) not apologizing just saying like that's the context that we're coming from providing context nice nice I, i like that well done especially for the medical stuff because it's like if they they find new things and that can always change yeah wild stuff so let's start with jane seymour did you know that a maid of honor is a junior attendant of the queen yes i did not know that but I think some of that's from watching like Down Abbey. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Because that just made it in the intro. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, that's that's it seems seems sort of related. But um, yeah, I didn't know that that was it. So uh, yes, a, a junior attendant of the queen, whereas they are so they are junior to the lady in waiting. But Jane Seymour was the maid of honor a maid of honor for Catherine of Aragon and one of Anne Boleyn's ladies in waiting. So she graduated from maid of honor. Sure did, which is 
interesting because that means she has been around in court for a while. She has been around for two wives. And I believe the first wife was like a pretty good run. Yeah, definitely. Right. It wasn't like at least a, I feel like it was at least a decade. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, did you know that her and Henry were fifth cousins? I did not know that, but I'm not surprised because it does seem like most people were related. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of incest. But fifth cousins isn't like, I don't even think you would call that incest technically. Yeah. That's just two people who live in the same small town. Right. Fifth cousins. That's that's pretty far away. But it is still interesting. So she, like I said, she had been around for a while in court. So by the time her and Henry actually hooked up, she was 27 years old. And then this caused a controversy because people in the King's court were like, dude, she's clearly been hooking up with dudes. Yeah. Yeah. Or And people, I think at the time had kind of guess that this was actually in favor of the king because if things didn't work out with Jane, you could always be like, well, it's because you've been with other men. Oh, geez. So it makes it easier to divorce her. Wow, that's kind of garbage, but I, I guess it makes sense. Jane was also much less educated than his other wives. Um, she allegedly could barely read or write. But people like to note she was really great at embroidery. Is that because she was in court all the time? And it seems like, based on my extensive knowledge of court from Game of Thrones, that you sit around and embroider a lot. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. And she wouldn't have been as educated because no one ever thought in her line of succession that she would ever hook up with a king. Yeah. So there wasn't like concern to make sure she was educated. But the embroidery thing, probably she's been doing it for a very long time. And I'm sure I just think that's so funny. I just imagine like these guys being like, so look, we have to ease the people's worries. And we have to tell them Jane's good at something. What can she do? (laughs) Someone's like, she can embroider. (laughs) Yes, that's it. That's what we're taking. I wonder if she was even good. Maybe she wasn't even good. I mean, allegedly she was good. uh, But I don't think anything she actually embroidered survived the test of time. Ah, I see. There's a way to really look back on it and say for, for certain. And I'm not sure how much of this is dramatization and how much of this is real, but I did read some stuff about how Henry was paying attention to Jane while he was married to Anne Boleyn and she would get quite jealous of it. Yeah. So I had read somewhere that she tried to like make a move on Henry when he was married to Catherine and he was like, get out of here, kid. And then... At some point during while being married to Anne, he became attracted to Jane and actually started giving her gifts, including a locket with his portrait in it. And there's like a story that Jane would talk to Anne and like there's a time where she would open and close the locket 
in front of Anne to like, oh, geez, kind of piss her off and say, yeah. like, yeah, I'm hooking up with Anne. Ah! And Anne was very familiar with the locket because she had been given oh, no. something similar, like a bracelet with a locket on it with a portrait of the king inside. So she knew what was going on. And in fact, Jane and the king, they were married within 11 days of Anne's Boleyn's execution. So when Anne couldn't produce an heir, I think we talked about this a little bit last week. He got tired of her, already started hooking up with Jane, got Anne accused of being a, well, not accused of being a witch, rumored that she bewitched him. And I think actually convicted with adultery. Right. So Anne's out. Jane's already in. I also saw that they got married. People say the wedding date was the day after Anne's execution. So I don't know exactly which one's right, but we can all guess that they were married way too soon. Yeah. Especially like, how can you possibly defend that? How? Yeah. I mean, you did not give a shit about the woman who's supposed to be your wife. It's pretty dark. Yeah. Which I think goes back to that horse falling on him head injury, which makes me think he was a true sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. So when he and Jane got married, she was actually never crowned the queen. I did read that. And I do think that part of that was that he didn't want her to have any power. <laughs> I just imagine he's like getting married to her. He's like, oh, you're so cute. You want to be in court and actually wear a crown. It's so adorable. I did read one source that says she may have been pregnant and miscarried in late 1536. So that could have been a reason why they had to get married so quickly. But it was only one source. But she definitely became pregnant in 1537 with the future King Edward VI. However, she died 12 days later due to puerperal sepsis, which was caused by the pregnancy because pregnancies just were not very safe in Tudor time. Now, would that have been like the childbed fever? Like, is that type of sepsis from them not washing their hands? That's a good question. Um, Yeah, I think so. The King Edward the sixth thing is huge, too, because that is really what separates Jane Seymour from all the other wives. Right. A very important person to Henry because she provided the heir. Just so we're keeping track, the a secret first miscarriage would not be consistent with the blood group hypothesis. And it's unsure whether she would have miscarried subsequent children. But I believe the reason why the blood group hypothesis people think of it when they think of Henry is because all of these women only had one living child. Oh, yeah. That, that. And I think having that son gave her a very fond memory for Henry. 
I mean, with all of his wives, he kind of really just like did not give a shit as we see how he divorces them or just kills them. And with Jane, she was the only wife to actually receive a queen's funeral, despite not being crowned. And it's the wife he ended up being buried next to. I did see that. It just seems like also, well, I don't know. It is a lot easier to be fond of someone who's dead. Yeah. And and that was something I had read, too, is like, had she not died, I think there was still a good chance that Henry would have either cheated on her or moved on right. from her. I pro- I would have to believe that pretty strongly. But it uh, I'll mention this a little bit later as well. And I think maybe we may have even mentioned it in the previous episode, but 1936 is the worst year of Henry's life as far as his health and losing Jane. Yeah, this was also when Anne, in 1536, Anne would have miscarried too. Right. And he had his accident. Right. With the head injury. And so there's just a lot going on this year. There's a lot going on. And Jane doesn't die until 1537. But a lot of papers seem to reference 1536 as a turning point. Yeah. Jane is allegedly haunting the Hampton Court Palace, which was, I think I already said this before, but it was one of King Henry's favorite places to live. And she is seen as the specter of silver stick stairs. So she's a sad white apparition carrying a lighted taper because this is this is also where she died after the birth of Prince Edward. That's pretty. That makes a lot of sense then. And so she's seen around the anniversary of Edward's birth. So in October, of course, of course, we're haunting near Halloween. (laughs) Doesn't seem convenient in terms of tourism. Um, Then we also have the gray lady who also haunts. And I bring her up because she would have been the wet nurse to Edward. Oh, I see. She died there after getting the smallpox in 1562 after through nursing Elizabeth first. Wait, that that date doesn't make sense, though. I think she nursed Elizabeth the first, but she must have died of smallpox in 1562. Oh, you're right. Thank you. Her tomb. So I guess people started saying they saw the gray lady after Sybil's tomb was disturbed when the church was renovating in 1829. Yikes. And people have likened her to a mysterious spinning wheel noises that come from behind a wall. Is that something somehow related to her being good at embroidery? Oh, no, this is Sybil. Never mind. Not Jane. Well, and it's funny you mentioned that, though, because sometimes the gray lady is also people say that is Jane. Oh. But on the Hampton Courts uh website seems like they're like the gray lady is Sybil. <laughs> sure. 
And did it happen to say what Hampton Court is now a day, days? Oh, I did not look at that. Wait, nah. is that, did we look at that and that was a school, a boarding school? That Wasn't that the other one? Ooh, I don't know. I'm going to look it up real quick just because I am curious. Because I just don't, I don't really understand. This one is definitely open to the public and is a major tourist attraction. So that makes sense. Yeah. Plenty of people to see the ghost. A ghost. Yeah. Actually, there was some pictures on the internet circulating that there's two of them. They're pretty popular. One of them is the lady in gray, which allegedly has been proven to be an iPhone glitch. (laughs) And the other one is like in the mirror. And in the Daily Mail, that's like, oh, this bus driver took a picture. And it's either Jane or uh, 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 Catherine. That's oh, Catherine. It. And the picture is terrible. Sure. It feels like it could just be like light hitting it the right way. And you kind of have to like squint at it and be like, oh, yeah, I guess that does look like a lady. But it doesn't feel like strong enough proof to me. Gotcha. Just so, just for fun. Um, the Grey Lady is also a character in Harry Potter. But it makes me think that there's probably a lot of Grey Ladies because ghosts are see-through apparitions. Yeah, that's when I saw that the Grey Lady existed, I was like, okay, which Grey Lady is this? <laughs> Right. There there has to be tons and tons there of gray ladies. Yeah. Yes. I'm I am ninety-nine percent sure that there are. I feel like we've probably talked about gray ladies before on this. Podcast. Yeah, I think we probably have. So after Jane dies, he marries Anne of Cleves. He wanted to really ensure the succession of his crown. So three years after Jane's death. It was still seemed like it was considered like still soon, but I feel like three years and the 11 days, 30s. That's like, that's a good run. Oh, yeah, that's I would I would think anyone who said that was too short is insane. Like, it's fine if you're not over your wife after a wife or husband after three spouse after three years, but. It is absolutely fine. Yeah. And with the way he moved on with other wives, three years feels like eternity for this guy. Right. Yeah. And considering how much he liked to do whatever he wanted, it kind of makes me wonder if Edward was like a sickly kid. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like, I don't know if this one's going to make it. I better try to get a couple more out. Well, I'm sure he still wanted that anyway, because you'd still want as strong a line of succession as possible, right? Oh, yeah, for certain. So he started trying to find someone he could marry through like foreign courts, basically going to different governments and saying, do you have any broads for me? And one of the only I think a lot of the a lot of people didn't want to marry off 
to Henry. He's already been through a bunch of wives. So it's like, dude, you're just killing your wives. We don't want to give you any ladies. Right? Yeah, I wouldn't want to. You would have to be. That's kind of, yeah. I, I wonder if that, maybe we can give the earlier wives the benefit of the doubt. But by the end, you'd be like, no, there's a strong possibility I, I may die. I mean, we're on the fourth wife here. It's not looking good. I'll tell you that much. And so are you saying that she was not English? Anne of Cleves? Yeah. Yeah, she's actually from Germany. I see. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. And the German artist Hans Holbein, the younger, painted a portrait of her to send back. And based off the portrait, Henry's like, yeah, this girl will do. And then when she shows up, he's like, you don't look like your portrait. Oh, but by then it was already too late. So he has to marry her. What a dummy. And after six months of being married to her, he's like, yeah, I'm out. So she received the title the king's sister and was given the Hever castle as an ample residence. So that's kind of wild with this wife. I believe he came to her saying he wanted divorce and she was like, yeah, that's fine. Because in her mind, I think she realized if she didn't comply, she might get. Oh yeah. Unalived as the kids say. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's like, I would, yeah, I guess we yeah. get divorced. And I get a castle out of it. It's fine. Well, one of the things I was listening to, it sounded like she was like holding out her whole life that he would have a change of mind. Actually, I mean, she she yeah. outlived him by quite a bit. But in terms of during his life, I guess she thought, you know, he's he's going through all these women. He'll he'll come back around. I think I, yeah, I think I read that too, which is funny. Very funny. And so when she died, she was, did not have a ceremony of a queen because her title had changed. And because there really was very little controversy. I mean, aside from Henry, just like not liking her. She's the only wife to not have a ghost. Yeah. I think that it would have been different if she had, Said, no, I'm not giving you a divorce. What well, because then she would have died. Yeah. Well, there would have been finally. something, something that people could always say, oh, she's never left because she's so scornful. It's always right. like women ghosts are so scornful. I'm happy for her. Yeah. I think out of everyone, Anne of Cleves, like one. Yep. So within weeks of his divorce to Anne, Henry marries the very young Catherine Howard. Now that that leads me to believe that he was probably seeing her before he got the divorce. Yes, I think she might have sort of aided in expediting Thanks. that divorce. She was a first cousin of Anne Boleyn. It's thought that Henry would have been 49 at this time and Catherine I saw anywhere between 15 and 19 years old. Ew, that is disgusting. 
Yes. And at this point in time, so we're talking 1540 now, Henry has gained a bunch of weight and he has a bad leg. And he was giving Catherine, of course, these lavish gifts. But Catherine, now depending on the source you read, this is kind of what I was talking about earlier, depending on the source, Catherine began attracting the attention of men, especially men closer in her own age. Some of what I read is now like, okay, so earlier publications of what I read was like, oh, Catherine was playing around with fire, attracting these guys. And then um, some other things I read was like, well, she might have actually been taken advantage of. And didn't really have much say because if you came against a person of nobility at that time, you didn't have a lot of rights as a woman, you know? Yeah, that's pretty horrifying. This came to the king's attention. I believe it was because they found a letter. It was like a love letter she had received from somebody calling her. um, Oh, what was it? I think it was something like a little bird. I don't know. But something like very cutesy and sweet. And so they were like, okay, this, the way this is written, it seems like she seems to be okay with receiving these advances. It's pretty intense because she then had to go through this investigation where she's being asked like pretty wild stuff because it it totally blurs the line of like consent and like... Mm-hmm. Also, I imagine, like, you're probably a horny teenager. Right. So even, like, normal horny teenager stuff gets taken out of hand, you know? That's really unfortunate because it definitely, I can totally see it being like, yeah, these guys were really attracted to her. And she didn't, even if she, she may have reciprocated, but she may not have at all. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think... Like in one of the cases, for instance, she and another guy, I think his name was like Dahmer, was asked, like, did you have sex or did you have coitus? And in her testimony, I believe she said, I did not, con- not I did oh. not consent, but I didn't, we didn't have coitus and he took advantages like it sounded like he raped her and it's still like well you put yourself in that position no it was enough to say it was grounds of adultery and time to be off with you that is the worst so that's kind of how become catherine becomes known as the screaming queen Catherine's ghost is also seen at the Hampton Court Palace. And it's said that it's because she was arrested there on November 1st, 1541. And being terrified of being arrested, she tried to scream out for the king and she broke free of the guards. 
So people claim that they hear her now in what they call the haunted gallery screaming to this day. Of course, like I said, she was arrested on November 1st. So around Halloween, that's Ah. when you hear her screaming. Uh, But she was actually beheaded at the tower on February 13th, 1542, after being tried for adultery and treason. She never reached Henry when she was screaming out for him because he was at prayer in the chapel. So she never saw him again. They just took her off and imprisoned her for three months and then choppity chop. That's terrible. And I really feel bad for her because I highly doubt that she had very much to do with this marriage. I mean, she could have. It's possible, but. Oh, and it's such a such a bizarre time. Like one that you could just be beheaded. Yeah. <laughs> and beheaded in terms of proximity of yourself to the king. Like if the king knows your name, there's a you're like on the beheaded list. Whether or not if it happens is like another thing. But I think once you're that close, you just know like, okay, one of these days my number might be called. But it's like also he's already gone through a divorce, so he could just divorce her. Yeah, I think his whole stance on like beheading them and divorcing them goes back to what he believed biblically because even though he started the Church of England, he's still very anti-Protestant. He's very anti-Protestant and very pro-Catholic still. So I think he's still trying to like correlate his personal ideology to whatever his new church is, thinks or believes. That's messed up. Yeah. So like certain crimes warrant a beheading and certain crimes would warrant a divorce seems to be my understanding. Dang. And once you get treason, I mean, that's that's completely political, right? Yes. Yes. Yikes. The dangers of being married to a politician. Well, thank you to our listeners for listening to part two of our Henry VIII series. Molly, thank you for the research that you've put in. Um, Next episode, we will talk about Henry's final wife, Catherine Parr, and the end of Henry's life. Bridget, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bridget underscore suck it. Molly, where can people find you and bug you about taxes? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Molly M and nine. That's Molly with an I E. And you can email me at Molly at M <laughs> every single time you can, um, you can go to you my can website say at, or you can say, I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. Email can, this email address. Yeah. <laughs> My uh, email address is check out my website m 3 virtualaccountingcom or just DM me on um, Instagram or Twitter 
uh, I have lots of friends who do that and I'm happy to try to answer it if it's quick question, but if, uh, if not, I'll just, um, direct you to make an appointment. You can find our podcast at sex with ghosts underscore on both of those platforms as well. And you could show support by giving us a five-star review on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. That just helps let people know we are a real podcast. And you could show more extra support if you'd like at patreon.com slash sex with ghosts. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Ta-ta.